Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Have you ever felt like you were trying to live somebody else's dream? I mean, you just, it just, life wasn't working. You were in maybe a career path or you were in a situation that just wasn't yours. I mean, a lot of times we try to live somebody else's dream because we think that, you know, if we please them, that's it. Or maybe we just weren't even sure. Well, what Danny said is right. This Dream Again series is about how to find God's dream for you. Because so many times I've been on the wrong seat of the bus. Now, you know what that means. I'm not talking about a literal bus. Sometimes that, but just not in the right place. I was in the wrong lane. For example, when I was a teenager, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. And so I got a job working for a veterinarian. I thought, this is what I'm going to do because this is what I want my life to be. And it wasn't long before I thought, hmm, I'm not sure this is my lane. And I'll tell you what, the day I really knew that, I, uh, we got a big tomcat came in, this male cat. He was huge. And he must have fought all the time because he had cuts all over his body. And the, the vet knew him. The doctor knew him. He said, uh, he, just, he just gets in fights. We just sew him up. I said, oh, okay. And he said, you'll see him quite often. As long as you're working for me, you'll see this cat a lot. I said, okay. So anyway, got him sewed up, got him fixed up, put him in a cage. And I was cleaning the cage. Not his particular cage, but the one under him. And I'm down there cleaning, and he's right up above me. And then all of a sudden, I felt what felt like a human, a male, a a grown guy hitting me on top of the head. And I backed up. I thought something fell, and I looked, and this cat is right at the edge of his cage, and his paw is still through the bars. And I grabbed my head, and there was blood. And I looked at him, I said, you cut me. And he's just staring at me. And so this is when I knew I was in the wrong lane. I opened the cage and I took my fist and boom, right in the face. He hit the back of the cage. I closed it and I said, you touch me again. I'll do it again in Jesus name. I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I'm telling you, that cat. The vet came that later that afternoon. He said, you know, I noticed that cat's acting differently. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the Lord showed up. The Lord gave him. I don't know. You don't know about those things. That was the day I'm like, okay, I don't think this is for me. But you know what? I love cats now. We got two of them. I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those moments as a kid. I'm like, well, maybe that's not it. I don't want you to spend your life thinking I just don't think I'm in the right place. I mean, I learned a long time ago. I don't know how true this is, but I heard a long time ago that a watermelon, you like watermelon? You know what I'm talking about, watermelon? 92% water. A cloud, a beautiful cloud, 97% water. Just think, a watermelon missed being a cloud by 5%. (laughs) You want to be a watermelon or you want to be a cloud? So it matters, doesn't it? There was a kid... He was called a misfit and didn't really get a lot of attention. So he got a job driving a truck. And so the owner of the company 
said, hey, you got a job here as long as you drive. And he drove. But he said, I really want to sing on the weekends. Is that okay? He said, yeah, that's fine. He said, I'll come hear you. So he went to hear him. After hearing him sing, he said, hey, uh, son, you need to keep driving the truck. You, you need to stay with the truck. Well, he didn't believe that because he had another dream that he believed God had given him. And I'm glad he followed the dream he believed God had given him because we would have missed this voice. You ain't nothing but a Just one thing that you believe God has given you to do, do it. Don't live somebody else's dream. Jeremiah was called to say some hard things. And there were other people who were saying, Jeremiah's lying. He's not telling you the truth. And they made it all wonderful and rosy and all that. But Jeremiah's saying, trust me, guys, it's not what God's going to do. And you know, one of the things Jeremiah used to like to talk about was the potter and the clay. So I've invited one of our own. Cynthia is here. She teaches art at the First Academy. In fact, she's been there for 24 years. Give it up for her because uh, I got a feeling if you had been in my high school, I, I probably would have liked art. I probably would have enjoyed it. But as it turned out, that's not what it was. Let me just ask you, how long have you been doing pottery stuff, working with clay? About 24 years? Yeah. Well, she's going to do something really cool today. She's going to start working with a piece of clay. And the reason is, is because what Jeremiah lives out is how God took him and shaped him and formed him. And what I want you to see as we read the text together is that God has something for you. And he's got a plan. Now, it may not look like it at the moment. Because clay starts off kind of rough. But the more the potter works with it, it makes sense. And you ought to see the finished product in a minute when she finishes. So go, go to Jeremiah 1. If you got your Bible, go to Jeremiah chapter 1. And I want us to read the first few verses. And I want to tell you a story. Now, as you're turning to Jeremiah, you've got it on your phone. You've got it iPad or however you might, whatever access you have. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet for about 50 years, okay, about five decades. He was a prophet in around 600 B.C., 600 years before Christ was born. And his ministry, or if you call it prophecy, was to help people understand why they were being overthrown by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were coming to Jerusalem. They were going to take the city, and they were going to carry the people, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they were going to carry them into captivity to Babylon. It was a tough job. In fact, he's called the weeping prophet. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at moments in his life, and we're going to talk about how God used him. So with your Bible open, I want you to read starting verse 4, and let's read down to verse now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now let's just pause there for a moment. The first thing that I want you to understand, God designed you personally for a purpose. He designed you personally. What, what do I mean by that? 
God was the one who shaped you, formed you. You are created in the image of God. Even David talked about that. King David, when he writes in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and, and how God knew him and knit him together in his mother's womb. I mean, there's just this basic truth taught by the Scripture that God is the one who personally formed us. So, just as she's working with the clay, can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth shaping your life, forming you? Because that's what he did. And, he, and it says that even before, <laughs> this is amazing to me, before Jeremiah was born, God knew him. And God called him. And God consecrated him and appointed him. He knew everything. Before Jeremiah was ever born, I believe that about you. And you want, you want me to explain something that you will hear me talk about a lot? People ask me all the time, why are you so pro-life? Why, why, do, you, why do you talk about pro-life? And Isn't that a political thing? Nope. I don't talk about it because it's political. I don't talk about it because it's about one gender or one race or one anything. I talk about it because it is the Word of God. It's in the book, and I believe it, and I will build my life on it. And I will always be pro-life. Why? Because God is. God is the one who creates, and He's the one who's shaping. And we don't have the right to step in and say, oh, well, they don't matter. Yes, they do. And some people say, well, that's the, that's the only verse. There's only one verse. That's not true. There's more than one. But okay, let's say there's one verse. Well, John 3.16 is one verse. You want to throw that one out too? No. I just believe the book. And I believe that you, I'm talking about you and those of you streaming, you are created in the image of God. He shaped you just like she is shaping the clay. God is the one who created you and shaped you. And you know what? He consecrated you. What does that mean? Set apart. I mean, it, you know, let's just use this. If I've got something I want to do very special with this, I kind of set it apart because I don't want to get it in the other stuff. You're set apart. Literally, he sets us apart, and then he sends us out, which is appointed you. I appointed you. That means I gave you a mission. I gave you a purpose. So all of us are personally, personally created by God for a purpose. Now, you're probably going, but I'm not Jeremiah. That's the point. You don't have to be Jeremiah. We just happen to get to know this because Jeremiah the prophet is telling us this. But this applies to all of us. In fact, there are no two Jeremiahs. There's only one. He's already lived and gone. And by the way, there's not another one of you. God doesn't make replicas. There's only one. And you're it. And you're different, right? Aren't we all different? I mean, every one of us are different. He doesn't make the same version of us. We're just the only us there is. So what that means to me is this verse applies to me. I don't have to be Jeremiah to believe that he did this for me. Second lesson, whenever he creates us and this purpose, I want you to know there's a general purpose we all have, and then there is a very special calling. There's a, there's a general purpose that we all have. 
When you read Ephesians 2, that's the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody may boast. For we are his workmanship. That's a word that means poem or, or his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That verse tells me there's something that every one of us in this room have in common and every one of you that are streaming, and that is we are all called to Jesus. We were made for him. And every one of us, no matter where you grew up, no matter what language, no matter the differences, we all are called to follow Christ. That's the first step. And what that is for me is until you're in the hands of the potter, Nothing happens. So the call to follow Christ is the call to say, Jesus, here I am. You're the potter, I'm the clay. You do whatever you want in my life. We call it being saved. We call it belief. We call it faith and call it whatever you want. It's when you realize I was made by someone and I was made for someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you're on the stream today, I promise you, it is as simple as a prayer, but it's a heart commitment that you believe with all your heart and in the room as well. And we're here to help you. That's one of the most important things. That's when you see baptisms, that's what's happened. Somebody has said, I'm following Jesus. And the way they identify that is through their baptism. You can text us, text the word connect 40777. We'll talk to you about what it means to follow Christ here in the room. We've got folks at Welcome Centers A and B every weekend. And we want you to have that conversation because that's the first step. If we don't get the clay to the potter, it never changes. Okay? Now, after we are all called to him, then he says, we have some good works to do that have been prepared before him. That's when it gets particular. That's when it gets special. We don't all have the same good works. They're all good, but it's different. And so every one of us have something he has prepared for us to do, something special. It's not like others. And by the way, if you don't do it, it doesn't happen. I believe that's how unique you are. So the second major lesson is this. God made you unique and completely equipped you for this purpose. He made you unique. When you look at yourself in the mirror, I know it's hard for you to understand it, there's not another one out there like you. There's nobody else like you. When you look at your hand, there's nobody else like you. No one. But have you ever been to a place and you were looking at caps or whatever, and then you see this little thing, one size fits all? One, nope, one size does not fit all. I promise you, one size does not fit all. Some have bigger heads than others. Some of us are taller I remember there, there used to be a real popular clothing thing. I think the title, name of it was One Size Fits All. I mean, literally. And Rachel and I were, were at a mall in Texas, and I found a store, and I went in there just to prove them wrong. I did. I mean, it, it, one size did not fit me. They said, well, we can special order. Well, then take the sign down. It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that. I remember when our first child was born. We're, we're, I'm in the labor and delivery room with Rachel, and 
And they tell me they're going to have to go into the uh, delivery room because there was a, a situation that could develop and they just want to be at a place where they could take care of Joshua and Rachel. And I said, absolutely. And so he says, hey, we got to hurry because your boy is about here. Joshua's about here. And he throws me scrubs. And I said, hey, are these extra large? He said, they fit. Just put them on. So I put them on. And they did. I'm like, wow. Then he throws me footies, these things to put over your shoes. And I said, hey, I got big feet, doc. One size fits all. Pastor, go ahead and put them on. They fit. I spent the moments before my son was born leaning over, trying to get a footy over my tennis shoes. And I'm jumping around. Trying. He said, you got to hurry. You got to hurry. I said, they don't fit. I can't get them on. Well, I finally tore them and got them on. And I was there for the delivery and for the birth of my first son, which was awesome. But listen to what I want to tell you this. I've been to churches that make me feel like one size fits all. No. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, everybody's saying. No, we're not the same. We're different. But that's good. We're unique. And so what God does is he calls us to use the uniqueness. And let me tell you where it is. Let me tell you what it's about. Number one, your position. We don't all work at the same place. We don't all have the same jobs. We don't all live in the same neighborhoods. We, we don't all have the same places in our life. That's good. That means we have a witness that's even broader. What are you doing where you live, where you work, that's making a difference? That's exactly what Jeremiah was, he was trying to get through to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you're unique, and I've given you something that's pretty tough. But it could be just you're supposed to be a neighbor to some people that maybe need the love of Jesus right now. Or maybe you're just supposed to be gracious to someone that, you know, maybe you're supposed to be a great dad. I mean, it could be just being a father is going to be that unique position that God has given. Because let me tell you something. Your kids may have a lot of guys in their life, dads, but they only have one dad. you got to be that. And I just think there's a moment when you realize, wow, my position is God-given, and it's unique to me. And you know what? I'm going to use it for him. It's a part of my purpose. The second thing is part of your purpose is your ability or your personality. We don't all have the same personality. We don't all have the same ability. So if you can't sing, don't. Okay? Spare us all. Don't. I mean, if you can't play an instrument, that's okay. There are those who can. And even your personality, I, I uh, in the first service, excuse me, in the second service, I, uh, I was talking about this, and I used the word introvert. Do you know what an introvert is? Do you, you know what it, raise your hand. If you're an introvert, <laughs> if you're an introvert, raise your hand, you'll kill me because you're like, uh-uh, that word introvert, we don't want to do that. Well, I'm an extrovert, so all the extroverts, raise your hand. You're not ashamed. There you go. Okay, so what happened in the service before this one is, somewhere in the middle of this, I switched them. And I got them backward. And so Danny, the only introvert closest to me on staff, sitting right over there, and he, they said he was trying to get my attention. Here's how an introvert gets your attention. Uh, pastor, pastor. <laughs> pastor, you got them switched. Here's how an extrovert, get, hey, 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 you got them switched. I told Danny, I said, just stand up and tell me. I think 
there are people who use their personality as an excuse. Because if you are an introvert, which means more shy and, you know, just not as outgoing, that's not bad. That's great. Do you know how many world leaders were introvert? How about Abraham Lincoln? He was an introvert. I mean, they're, they're all around us. How many, I, I know a pastor who is a teacher. He speaks at conferences everywhere. He's written several books. He's amazing. I've had him like three times and spent time with him uh, and spent time with his family. He's, he's a great friend. I'm going to tell you something. He is one of the hardest people I've ever talked to, to talk to. You know why? He's an introvert. He just, he's real quiet. He's real shy. And I mean, I'd be sitting in there, you know, and just happening, having fun. And I'm like, come on, man, help me here. I don't want to be the only one talking. But that's just, so can I just say, I don't know what personality type you are. It's okay. Because remember, God made you. And God wants to use that in an amazing way. And then your passion. What is it you love to do? Have you ever thought that might be what you're supposed to do? I thought I loved to be a veterinarian. Nope. That wasn't really my passion. You know what my passion was? I remember one day I said to the Lord, Lord, I just want to make a difference in people's life. I was, I was at a ministry in a park with, a, with drug addicts and prostitutes. I mean, they all hung out in this park. Some of them were homeless. And I just remember as I was ministering to them, praying for them and helping them and taking food to them, I remember thinking, I want to, this, I want to spend the rest of my life making a difference in somebody's life. This way. So I'm telling you, if there's something you love to do, it might be your work. It, it could be something as simple as cooking. Hey, if you love to cook, how about maybe cooking a meal, taking it to a neighbor? I just think God uses all of these things in a unique way in our life. And then what we do is we, in turn, realize, hey, this is my purpose. Some of you are probably thinking, what about spiritual gifts? You have a spiritual gift. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit lives in you, has given you a spiritual gift. Now, what you don't have to do is wait until you figure out what it is to do anything. No. The reason God gave us a list in the New Testament of the spiritual gifts is not really more for us. It was more for Him to help us understand why and how He arranges the church. And He does it with everybody having different gifts so it doesn't matter if you don't know for sure what that gift is. You just follow your passion. You follow the abilities that God has given you. And you let your personality and let all that God has done in your position around you. And you say, God, I'm going to use this for you. Now, there's one more verse I want to read with you. This is the problem. We all are insecure. Can you say that with me? We all are insecure. Was Jeremiah? Yep. Watch what happens. Go back to the text, and I'm reading um, verse 6. Then I said, Ah, Lord God. By the way, ah is not a good word. <laughs> Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. So am I. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand 
and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, and to build and to plant. Wow. Every one of us, just like Jeremiah, insecure. Jeremiah was struggling with his age. I mean, literally, he thought he was, he was too young. So let me just take this piece of clay that she hasn't worked on yet. This is what we think we look like. We're just not capable. God, you, I, got, I got all kind of stuff that you can't use. I'm too young. I used to think you had to be 21 years of age to be used by God. I don't know where I got 21. I don't know if it was the same time that legally you could drink. I, I'm not sure what the, what the connection was. I just thought 21 because there was part of me that said, well, God, when I get 21, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll live for you, but I'm going to live life my own way. I'm going to have fun. And then at 21, I'll, and that's the way I was thinking. Maybe I believe that because somebody told me that. I have been to places that actually looked down on children. They got in the way. They were noisy in the room. I am so thankful to be a part of a church who not only loves and honors children, but believes God has a purpose for them. And the sooner we can teach them that purpose, the greater it is. That's who we are. And so for all of you in children's ministry, thank you for pouring into our kids. That's why we have what's called Here, There, and Everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's really a movement to, to pull not only our resources, but our prayers and to do things for kids that's going to change the generations to come. I just think it's amazing. That's why we have the first building is done, and the second building is almost complete. And by the way, next weekend, after each service, you're going to get a chance to write Scripture on the floor of the second building. On the floor that's not done yet, you're going to get to write Scripture. Somebody do me a favor and write this one. Because God said to Jeremiah, don't you look down on yourself because you're young. I want our kids to know they matter. No matter what age, they matter because God's got a purpose for their life. Amen? Hey, I want to do something. Everybody in here that has children, right now, under the age of 12, stand up. Wow. In the balcony, all across the balcony, all across here. Can you encourage these parents with me and let them know? We're praying for you. If you're streaming, put it in the chat. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. Now, what you just showed me is there's a lot of potential in the days to come. And I'm so thankful you're here, and I'm thankful you bring your family. Don't ever think your children are an inconvenience to this church. No. Your children are those we love to be here. What about students? I've had people say, well, students, they're, they're too young. They don't understand it. They hadn't got it all figured out. Well, no, they hadn't got it figured out. But I love our student ministry because our student ministry believes that our students can be world changers. They can be champions for Jesus. And so all I'm saying is don't ever let your age be an insecurity for you, both too old or too young. And don't let your ability or lack thereof be. He, Jeremiah thought he could not speak. 
He had, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, no, God, I'm, I, I can't communicate the way that I should. We believe that because it's kind of in the backdrop of this. Do you remember another man that had trouble uh, saying yes to God because he said he couldn't speak? Moses. Yes. Remember seeing Prince of Egypt? Moses, the leader of God's people out of Egypt. He said, God, I can't, I, I stutter. And we believe he really did. You know what God told him? Chapter 4, Exodus. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. In other words, don't ever let your mouth be the problem because God will take care of that. In fact, I will tell you this, if you have an excuse and it involves you in a physical, like something I can't speak well, or I can't think well, or I can't do I'd just be real careful blaming the one who created you. Because that's what you're doing. That's what I did. I said, well, Lord, I, I, I'm, I can't do that because I just think when you know the one who created you, you say, Lord, I, I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to give it to you. And when you give yourself to him, it's amazing what happens. God takes and he says, I'm with you. He tells Jeremiah, I made you. I called you. I'm with you. I'll give you all the words you need. He even said, I'll put the nations under you. I'll give you authority. I just want you to know you have everything you need today for God to use you. You have everything in him that you need to fulfill your purpose. And my favorite part of this story is when it says the Lord, verse 9, put out his hand and he touched my mouth. Man, when the Lord touches you, it changes everything. Yesterday, Rachel and I sat and watched um, some of the tributes to the 9-11 victims, some of the tributes to the warriors and the heroes of that day. And man, I cried like a baby. Rachel cried. I, it, 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 it was just so moving. 20 years. And it was so moving. And I recall the story of Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer was a dad, two kids, a son named Andrew and a son named David. One was three, one was one. And his wife had just found out they were pregnant, and she was due in January. Todd had to, to take a trip, and he got on a plane, United Flight 93. And while he was on the plane, he knew something was wrong, and so he went to the back of the plane, and he was able to get the phone that the attendants use, and he was able to call a, a, an operator from an air phone service. That operator's name was Lisa. He said, Lisa, something's wrong. And she said, are you okay? And he said, yes, but something's wrong. There are people on this plane that are going to try to kill us. There, I've heard guys on the phone, a guy sitting next to me was talking to his wife. And she told him that hijackers had already crashed two planes in the World Trade Center. Lisa, is that true? Todd, I have to tell you the truth. It's very bad. The World Trade Center is gone. 
Both the towers have been destroyed. Todd says, oh God, help us. And she said, there's a third plane been taken over and it hit the Pentagon and we believe that your plane is going to be flown to D.C. and will be flown into the White House or to the Capitol. And Todd said, Lisa, will you do something for me? And this operator said, I will if I can. Todd said, I want you to call my wife and my kids. And I want you to tell them what's happening. And promise me you're going to do this for me, Lisa. And she said, I promise you I will. He said, here's my home phone number. And by the way, you have the same name as my wife, Lisa. We've been married for 10 years. She's pregnant with our third child. Would you, would you tell her I love her? I'll always love her. We have two boys, David and Andrew. Would, would you tell them that their daddy loves them and that he's so proud of them? Our baby's due January 12th. I, I just saw the ultrasound. It was great. Lisa, will you do it? And she said, I'll tell them. I promise, Todd. He said, I'm going to go back to the group. And he said, we're going to get a plan, and we're going to try to save lives. So she gets an FBI agent on the line, and then finally he comes back, and, and she said, Todd, what are, you, what are you going to do? He said, we've got a plan. Four of us are going to rush the hijacker with the bomb. After we take him out, we're going to break into the cockpit. A stewardess is getting some boiling water to throw on the hijackers at the controls. We're going to get them. We're going to take them out, Lisa. Will you do one more thing for me? Yes, what is it, Todd? Would you pray with me? And Lisa and Todd said the Lord's Prayer together. And then they said, Psalm 23 together, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when they finished the prayer, Todd said, God help me. Jesus help me. And the last thing Lisa heard was, he said, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And as you know the story of Flight 93, they took the plane down. It landed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Didn't hit anybody that was in its path, but everyone on board died. Now what's crazy is, Todd probably didn't wake up that morning feeling like a hero. He was a godly man, a committed Christian. He didn't wake up probably feeling like that base. He probably thought of himself more like this. But God used him. And yesterday he was honored. And he will always be honored. If nowhere else, in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Now, if you want to know how God works at First Baptist... I shared that story a minute ago. A man, I mean, as soon as the service is over, he makes it down here. And I just kind of leaned over and I said, yes, sir. He said, my name is Marcelo. I coach Todd Beamer's son's soccer. I know the family well. He said, I'm a coach at Wheaton University outside of Chicago. And he said, those are two of the finest boys that I have ever coached. And he said, this is the first time I've ever been in this church. And you talk about my friend, Todd Beamer. And he began to tell me, he said, there's so much more. 
He was an amazing father. He was an amazing guy. And I just thought to myself, what are the chances? But see, Todd Beamer just realized he was in a position to do something. Not a position he planned on being in. But he just had to do something. So he did. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I could never do something like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like that. No. You may not have a sacrifice that reaches that kind of level. But what you do for him matters just as much. It's just as significant as what he did. Because remember, we're all called. We're unique. We're not all Todd Beamer. We have a purpose. And I just want us to take a journey. And that journey is from looking like this to looking like that. We have a book called Jeremiah because he did what God asked him to do. And I just want to encourage you. Be a hero. Do what God asks you to do. And let's just take a moment, even today, to ask him. And let me tell you how it's going to happen. You've got groups that you can be a part of. And we're going to have them. In fact, Rachel and I are going to be a part of two different groups. Just because we believe in this. We're going to study the book together of Jeremiah and the passages that we're going to be doing together. Better Man is coming this Saturday. Guys, I'll give you a place to start about being a hero. How about being a hero at your home, to your, to your children, to your wife? And you're the only one that can do that, by the way. You know that. Nobody else can take your place. And I want to encourage you. If you can be here this weekend to learn how to be a better man, I'm telling you, that is one of the processes God will use to shape and to make something absolutely beautiful in your life. So today, I just want you to join me as we pray. And here's what I want us to do. I want to thank every first responder in the room. And I don't know why, but I just feel led to thank them and and to recognize them because I know (laughs) you would be there for us. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of a grateful church. So if you are a first responder, fire, emergency services, police officer, First responders, stand up wherever you are. Just stand up. We want to say thank you because we believe you're serving us. There we go, right there. Maybe in the balcony. Right here. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. As you're seated, let's be a first responder to the call of God on our life. Let's say, okay, Lord. Tired of living like this. I'm not going to be a veterinarian. And the cats are much safer. I'm going to do what you have called me to do. And I want to pray that for you right now. Can we just bow together? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jeremiah and how you used him. And he made a difference. And Lord, I just want us, all of us, to realize we are unique. You have given us opportunities and a purpose that no one else has, each one of us. And so, Lord, may we be faithful. 
And may we be first responders to the call you've placed on our life. Thank you, Lord, for dream again. And we're ready to dream again in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for being online with us. See you next weekend. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.